Hi, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We attended the Higher Things Beyond Reasonable Doubt conference at SIU Carbondale, which took place July 18th through the 21st. Higher Things is a recognized service organization that makes the gifts of Christ Jesus known to youth and young adults. Each summer, Higher Things hosts conferences where youth pray and learn together. We had the opportunity to visit with conference attendees and speakers. In this episode, you'll hear one of those conversations at Higher Things Beyond Reasonable Doubt. Thanks for listening to The Coffee Hour. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are at the Higher Things Youth Conference this summer in Carbondale, Illinois. And we have the opportunity to sit down with some of our friends serving the Lord in Sri Lanka. We are talking with the Reverend Stephen and Martha Malberg, who are serving the Lord in Sri Lanka. We're going to share their story in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us now at the table, the Reverend Stephen and Martha Malberg. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the Coffee Hour. Oh, thanks for having us. We are looking forward to learning more about the, the Lord's service in Sri Lanka. Before we even get to that... I don't think we've actually had a coffee hour chat with you. So let's yeah. talk about how the path to becoming missionaries and serving in Sri Lanka. Let's talk a little bit about that. Where would you like to start with that story? Well, that started many years ago, actually, when <laughs> I was at the seminary. I was interested in doing international missions, and they told me that if your wife's not interested, don't bother. So I asked Martha, and she said, <laughs> nope. you know, that'll be fine. You can go, but I'm staying here. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> So I served in the parish for several years, and I did some short-term mission work. I also got involved with deaf mission work in the state of Michigan. Mm. And, and then Martha was elected or selected for the floor committee that dealt with missions and outreach mm -hmm. uh, at the 2013 Synodical Convention, where she was a delegate. I'll let her continue. Yeah, that was, that was really eye-opening. It was it was quite shocking to hear about the number of countries that were asking for help from the LCMS, and we just could not fulfill all the positions that, you know. And it broke my heart to think that we had to turn away people who were asking for help to spread the gospel. And I started feeling slightly guilty because I had said no and, you know, I got to talk with some real-life missionaries, and they answered some questions, and I started praying about it. And I, when I got home, then I said to Stephen, well, are you still interested in missions? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I said yes, but in a, in a rare moment of sanity for me, I said, well, let's not act on this right away. Let's <laughs> pray about it and talk about it for a while longer. Because mm -hmm. when you come back from a convention, you can be pretty excited about something that fades away. So mm -hmm. several months later, she was still interested. I was still interested. So we applied to the Office of International Missions and then started a, a series of interviews and all kinds of assessments and so forth. They had us meet with psychologists and, mm -hmm. and that, and they determined we were crazy enough to move overseas. So, <laughs> yep. We ended up moving to Sri Lanka. What was that transition like from service here at a parish in the States? And, and you guys have kids, too, that join yes, you yes. on the mission field, too. 
What was that transition like moving from a life here in the States to Sri Lanka? Did you go to Sri Lanka originally then? Yeah, we weren't. Originally, we had been assigned in in some other places, Mm -hmm. but before we deployed, they ended up switching us to Sri Lanka. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what was that transition like for your family to to move onto the mission field? It was hard in some ways. Mm -hmm. You know, our kids, we had been serving at the congregation for 14 years. Oh, wow. So, our kids knew no other life than that particular congregation. And so, they were kind of upset with the fact that we were tearing them away from all of their friends and mm-hmm. what they had known and transplanting them to a new place. And it took a while. It took a while for them to have their eyes opened that there was more than northern Michigan mm-hmm. <laughs> in the world. And it has changed them. They, they, they really see the need for the gospel. They see the need for mercy work, and they have grown. Mm -hmm. I have a much broader perspective of the world and the church throughout the world. So it's been really wonderful to see how they've been developing, and they have a a more open heart and are certainly more empathetic towards other people and the struggles that they go through. Tell us about... Learning the culture, learning the uh, about life in Sri Lanka, making that transition from northern Michigan, which probably sounds like a different climate maybe than Sri Lanka. Mm, it's um, snow. Yeah. 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 We, we got off the plane in Sri Lanka. It was about three in the morning. Three in the morning. Oof. And we walked outside and almost fell down on the ground. We got just hit by this wave of heat and humidity that mm. we were not used to at all. <laughs> Though we, you know, went to the seminary in St. Louis, so I knew something about heat and humidity, <laughs> but that was child's play. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, Sri Lanka is a tropical environment. Where we live, it's in the mid-80s to mid-90s year-round, and the humidity is like in the 90s and above year-round. So it gets a little, takes a little to get used to. And even when you do get used to it, you still sweat just as much. So. <laughs> yes. Well, what about getting to know the the community and the people where you serve and culture? What was it like learning about a whole new culture? What did you know before you even landed on the ground there? What did you learn about Sri Lanka before you even hit the ground? Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we didn't really know much because we only found out we were going to go go to Sri Lanka a couple of months before we took off. Ooh, yeah. And, and you can do research on the internet, but it's not like being there mm-hmm. you know you find out little things like you should hand things to people with only your right hand because mm-hmm. the left hand is saved for other uses mm-hmm. let's be kind that way <laughs> you know you find out things like gosh. well almost everything is a finger food in sri lanka yes. mm-hmm. so you know we'll eat burgers or pizza or something like that with our hands but there rice and curry you eat with your hands and that's just a, a a different experience, you know, when you grow up and, you know, mother tells you not to eat with your hands and everything. And then to go to a place where all the adults are eating with their hands, it's, it takes you back a little bit. And then then you get used to it, though. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Although I still end up dropping a lot of rice. Don't I try, try to. <laughs> <laughs> I am impressed with, with that style of 
eating food. Mm -hmm. I I imagine that's something that you have to learn how to do. And I will let Andy ask food questions. You can ask food questions. I don't (laughs) own the rights to all the food questions. (laughs) What kinds of food have you found that you enjoy? Do you have favorite Sri Lankan food now? Yes. I'll go. So I really love kotu. Kotu is a Sri Lankan comfort food. Oh, So what they do is they take, it's a chicken, usually a chicken dish, dish, although it can be made with seafood, it can be made with mutton, it can be just vegetables. But what they do is they take a flatbread called a parada or a roti, Mm. and they will chop it up into little pieces, and then they will fry that with vegetables and, like I said, with meats. Mm -hmm. And it's really delicious. (laughs) It can be very spicy. Um, Sri Lankan food in general is extremely spicy. Hmm. And usually when I introduce people to Kotu for the first time, I go to a particular restaurant because you can select the level of spiciness. <laughs> this is for the Western. Oh, yeah. That you are. And, I, and I always tell everybody, go for the mild. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I like a lot of the food. One particular dish I like is called pole sambal. And it's made with coconut, chilies, tomato, and some spices. And it's 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 a side dish. And I, I just call it Sri Lankan coleslaw. It doesn't mm. taste like coleslaw. And it is quite spicy, but <laughs> it's one of my favorites. So where have you settled in Sri Lanka? For people, I mean, we may know where Sri Lanka is on a map, but where about are you? Where did you settle? What is What is housing like for you guys? Well, we live in Colombo. It's the capital city, mm-hmm. and about a quarter of the population are in the Colombo area. So okay. it's it's quite populated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was 5.4 million people in, in there. With wow. The total population of Sri Lanka is about 22 million. Okay. And uh, there are all different styles of housing there, mm-hmm. but we actually live in a more Western-style oh. uh, apartment, which means we have an oven. Yes, which is rare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Western toilets. And a large refrigerator. Ah. And a large refrigerator. So (laughs) we use AC. (laughs) Uh, uh, But we try to to hold off on as much because electricity is quite expensive there. So you, you, but you know, you start after a few years, you start to acclimate to a bit of the warmer weather and you don't have to use that, that so much anymore. We don't have a car. We mostly get around by taxis, which are are quite inexpensive, especially compared to the U.S. (laughs) But I also, last year, got a a scooter, and so travel a bit around on the scooter as well. You mentioned that your home is perhaps a bit more Western. Mm -hmm. What's a traditional Sri Lankan home like then? You you mentioned you have an oven. That's not typical in a Sri Lankan home. What, What would a Sri Lankan kitchen look like? Well... The Sri Lankan kitchens that I have seen would be a counter, and uh, particularly I've, I've seen more of them in, in the upcountry on the tea plantations up there. So it would be a counter and a place where they would, you could have a, what they, they call them a cooker, but it would be a couple of stovetop kind of ranges that are, they use gas for, but they also have a spot in case they don't have the gas that they can just use wood to cook with. No refrigerator no. and uh, a lot of spices, and they would just get a lot of the things that they're going to eat either daily, if they're like produce-type things, mm-hmm. or 
other things they'll get in larger quantities like rice. And rice is a huge staple in, in the culture there. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about food again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Always. Every time. <laughs> well, we have more to learn about the, the life and the culture. We, we've already learned a little bit about that. But also we'll learn about the, the Lord's work that you've been yeah. given to do in Sri Lanka as well. We're talking with the Reverend Stephen and Martha Malberg serving the Lord in Sri Lanka on the Coffee Hour today. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are talking with the Reverend Stephen and Martha Malberg, who serve the Lord in Sri Lanka. We've learned a little bit about life in the community where you live in Sri Lanka. Let's talk a little bit about the work that the Lord has given you to do in Sri Lanka. What are the chief areas in which you are serving? What are the needs? You, you mentioned earlier, Martha, that um, there was a need that there are you know, uh, organizations or other church bodies calling for, asking for help. What are some of the things that you've been given to do? Well, in Sri Lanka, there is uh, a Lutheran uh, church that exists there, and uh, it was basically the foundation of that church was an LCMS missionary that came there back in the 50s, and he particularly went to the tea plantations and reached out to the, the Tamils who had moved there from India to work on those tea plantations. And uh, over the years, that church has come along, and uh, but at some point in the last 20 years, they had some administration kind of problems. They lost their registration with the government. And in the last, what would I say, 10 years, they've been going through kind of a restructure. So when I came over, that was a big part of what I was there to help with that restructuring. They were able to get another registration for the the church, but they weren't allowed to keep the name that they had before. They had been called Lanka Lutheran Church. Now it's a Ceylon Evangelical Lutheran Church. And in that transition, they they moved back to being a mission of the LCMS. Mm. So last year, they finally had a church meeting where they elected their leadership. They elected a bishop as the head of the church. And... This year at the LCMS convention, there's going to be a resolution that comes forward to recognize them as an independent Lutheran body in which the LCMS is in fellowship with. So we're very excited about that. Oh, that's really cool that that, that's happening. Yeah. So that means my role is transitioning as well. They have four ordained pastors and five evangelists, and they have 15 congregations and mission stations. So they're spread quite thin. And one of the things that we're focused on is education for the pastors, for the evangelist, and especially looking at the future of pastoral formation for young people as they move up. So I'm 
trying to help out with that to facilitate that work and really to make it so that in the future they're not as dependent upon missionaries to fill that void, but that they're able to do that. So one of the exciting things is that we're able to provide the opportunity for one of the pastors to come and study here at the Fort Wayne Seminary. He's been, he went there for one semester this past spring, and he'll be returning next month to go a couple more semesters. So we're excited about that, and we're very hopeful that this will be the base for, for, the, for the church body to be the driving force behind their own education, first of all for pastoral formation, but then, of course, in the future for other types of church workers. That's really exciting, uh, yeah. all of that happening in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Who are some of the people that you get to work alongside working with this church body? Who are some of the people you've been working with that you've been able to build relationships with as you've been there now for, for several years to, to have those relationships built with this church body? Uh, well, the one who was elected bishop, Arul Chavan, he serves several congregations, actually, up in what we call the upcountry and the mountain areas. That's where the tea plantations are. And uh, he's been serving there for, oh, I'd have to look it up now, <laughs> years, 15, 20 years, something oh, wow. like that. And uh, there's, sorry, <laughs> Pastor Devin Ason. He's the one that has come back and is working or studying at Fort Wayne. He has a congregation in the Colombo area where... I also conduct an English service, and he has a few other congregations in different parts of the country that, that he shepherds. There is Pastor Nataraja. He's the, the most senior of, of the pastors there. He's on one of the tea plantations as well and, and serves a few of the other ones. And then in 2017, about a month after he arrived, Pastor Nyanakumar was ordained into the ministry. And so he's also serving. I know they're all, all of them except Pastor Devin Ason are really in the upcountry on the tea plantations. Mm -hmm. So I've been working with them quite a bit. Also the evangelists, there's five evangelists, Sebastian, Raja, Aruprakash, Mutukumar, and did I say Raja? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anton, I think Anton. that's the one I missed yeah. there. Yeah. So we also have Nathan J. Trichonason that I work probably the most closely with. He's he's not an ordained pastor, but his father was one of the first two Lutherans to be ordained as pastors in Sri Lanka. Oh, wow. So there's a long history there with his family. And he does many things. His official title is projects manager. So he, he works in a lot of different areas but he also does a lot of translating. He's very fluent in Tamil, his native language, Sinhalese, which is the official, one of the official languages in Sri Lanka, and English. Hmm. He was an English teacher before he was really working for the church like this. And uh, I rely a lot on him, but not just for the translation and the other work, but he helps me a lot with the culture and to understand the different things that I just don't get as a Westerner. Mm -hmm. And he has a lot of fun at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you have pastors and evangelists. What is the work of an evangelist today in Sri Lanka? Okay, yeah. Well, it, it might be a little bit of a deceptive term because we think of evangelists that they're going out and, and that's the, you know, the whole part of their job is, is evangelizing. But that's certainly part of it. But they are really 
kind of acted as assistant pastors because of all these different congregations and mission stations. So they're there to minister to the people in the absence of the pastors who, who then will visit on, according to their schedules to, to bring communion and, and other, do other pastoral acts as they come. Mm-hmm. Martha, what's life like for you and the kids, day-to-day life for you in, in Sri Lanka? Well, for the kids, we had them in, in an inter, international school. Hmm. And the difference between a government school and international school is that an international school is private and is taught in English for the most part. Hmm. So they were going to school, about 75% of the, the school was Sri Lankan, but then they were able to make friends with kids who were there from Serbia, from India, from China, Korea lots of other countries and uh, you know it was really a lot of fun to have the kids going I want to introduce you to my friend they're here from you know this country <laughs> and and uh, when they made friends with kids from other countries it was a like a support for them because there was another child who was trying to get used to a new culture and a new thing so they were in school mostly from 8 a.m. till about three in the afternoon and then if they had clubs they could be at school until 5 p.m. For me, it was getting up (laughs) very early so that I could have things ready for everybody. And we would do Bible, not Bible study, excuse me, devotions at usually 6.30, 6.30 in the morning. And then they were usually out the door by 7.30. Stephen would be off to work by 10, usually. And then I would be puttering around the apartment. And on Thursdays, I would go to Bible study that Steve w- would have. He he took quite a while to go through the book of Genesis very thoroughly. <laughs> and then usually we would stay afterwards because I was helping to organize their library. Uh, since they're getting ready to try and have a seminary program, they wanted to catalog all the books they had and put them in some sort of order. And this has been a real process of trying to figure out what kind of computer program to use, how to catalog so that the books are easy to find and, you know, know who's got what books and how long they've had them. And that's not what my degree is in. <laughs> but it, it's, been, it's been fun and it's been challenging. And when we get back to Sri Lanka, I'm hoping to continue on that project and wrap it up maybe in the next two years or so. Whew. I think you both have mentioned some languages. Yeah. You teach, Pastor, you lead a service in English. You mentioned the kids are in a school where it's primarily in English, but you also mentioned some other languages. What are languages that are, that are typically spoken in your community where you serve in Sri Lanka? And who's learning the languages the fastest <laughs> in your family? Kids or parents is the question, probably. Well, there's two official languages, Singala and Tamil. Mm-hmm. And the majority in Sri Lanka are Sinhalese. So that's that's really the main language. So even the, the native Tamil speakers, they know some Singhala, mm. but not all Sinhalese people know Tamil. So Singhala uh, is a good one to know when you're in Sri Lanka. But as I'm working with the church that is primary ta- primarily Tamil, I've been studying Tamil. Martha's been trying to learn Singhala. And the kids, some of them tried learning Singhala, but they it didn't take <laughs> so it's it's you can get by 
fairly comfortably, especially in, in Colombo with just English. I, I was amazed that I've run into a few people who are native Sri Lankans that only know English and they don't know any Sinhalese or Tamil. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. What would you say is most challenging about learning Singa? Singla? Singla. Well, one of the things that is hard for me, at least, is they'll have two different D sounds and two different T sounds. And it's all dependent on where you put your tongue in the roof of your mouth, so to speak. So there's D and D. And it's like when they're speaking very fast, they sound the same. And it's like, so I just try to follow suit and speak really fast. And then hopefully they don't notice that I'm not got the proper D or T sound. <laughs> How can we stay informed on the Lord's work in Sri Lanka and follow the Malberg family and what you've been given to do there? Well, probably the easiest way is to go to lcms.org slash M-A-H-L-B-U-R-G. And there you'll find information on our family, a way to sign up for our newsletter, to follow us on Facebook or Instagram and Twitter. And if someone would like to, the Lord puts it on them to partner with us in the work over there, shows how you can do that as well. Very good. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us here at the Higher Things Conference. Well, thank you. It's thank been you. a pleasure. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.